touchdown. From Bat, the rookie, from Boomer. He grew up in Garfield, New Jersey, 10 minutes from Giants Stadium. A short of a first down, Wayne Kravon Kravon was able to work free. What a move by Wayne Kravon. Absolutely unbelievable. You're talking about a kid who is just all heart. Welcome to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett and Robbie Sabo. Welcome back to the Underdog Jets podcast, ladies and gentlemen, with Robbie Sabo and Wayne Corbett. On the heels of a, I'd call it a disappointing loss, 33-18 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, the 12th all-time loss against Philly, for gangrene and you know there's a lot of high hopes going into this one uh, the stadium was quite packed with a lot of green jets uh, new york new jersey and philly as well um but it, it didn't go the way the home team even after a tremendous start with braxton Berrios, who's become an excellent you know fourth fifth receiver on the jets roster getting it started with a 79 80 yard kickoff return uh, you know, the, the fans went home not pleased, but, you know, there were very good things to come out of this game. Zach Wilson showed improvement, but in the end, just another loss to Philly and the Jets will have to wait another three or four years. We'd usually say four, but with the 17th game, you don't know now. So they'll have to wait at least a couple, few more years to get that another, that next crack at Philly. Uh, Wayne, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yourself? Pretty good. Okay. So, you watched the game. Your, your thoughts on Zach Wilson, first of all. They scored touchdowns on the first three drives. Berrio set it up. He looked, to me, he looked confident. He looked poised. He improved. And after the game, Sala really took note and really described that he liked what he saw. He called it Wilson's best game within the structure of the offense. Is that what you saw as well? Yeah. You know, they came out firing, and uh, that was a great – play action to uh, Elijah for the touchdown, you know, and the crowd was into it. Everybody's going crazy. Uh, but if you look the first three drives for both teams, you know, would you have six touchdowns? So he was leading down the field and they were putting, you know, touchdowns on the board and not field goals. But, uh, you know, it's tough when you both score three touchdowns and you're still down two points because you're missing extra points. You know what I mean? It's kind of, a little, you know, it's a little tough to be in that situation and, and be down and score. But, uh, you know, I like how Zach played. Yeah, it's Zach. He played well. Uh, Salah said his footwork was better. As you noted, that play action, it was a good play action. And if you notice, um, I still haven't watched the film for this one, but if you notice, his play action has gotten better in the last couple of weeks. You know, he's paying, since he returned, he's paying a lot more uh, attention to that detail. And and it does matter. You know, to Elijah Moore on that first touchdown, it held a couple of defenders just long enough. And, and if he did not do that, there might have been an underneath, you know, mid-hook zone that would have taken away that slam. Yeah, the play action pulls that that in uh, inside defender up, but there's not much room for a, for a throw there. You can't lead him too much because you'll, you'll go right out of bounds. So uh, it was a perfect call, perfect play by, uh, by those two guys. Hey, what do you think about uh, Braxton Berrios from an overall perspective? I mean, here's a guy, you know, he was, you know, picked up, off of the Patriots roster by Joe Douglas, one of his first moves really as GM. 
And he's had pretty good playing time at receiver at times because of injuries earlier this year, uh, especially last year. And he's kind of settled into a perfect role. I think I saw this today where he's number one in the NFL in kick return yard average uh, per right. return. So, you know, I, I think he's a really good addition by Douglas. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Braxton? Oh, I think he's doing a great job. I mean, he's so valuable that he could play, you know, multiple positions and special teams and returning. Uh, so, uh, you know, just to get that 80 yard return to start the game, they said that's what you want to get the crowd into it and, uh, you know, to set up the first score. Um, and he, he's done well filling in as a receiver. And, and the biggest thing about him, him is he's durable. So all these guys have been in and out a game, a month, whatever it may be. And he's always there to fill in and show he could play receiving this league as well as be a returner. So uh, he's definitely valuable to the team. Yeah, he's just one of those gamers. And the news dropped today on Monday that Corey Davis will be out for the rest of the year. Right. Uh, so his season, you know, prematurely ends. It was a disappointment. There's no question about it. Uh, not all his fault, obviously. You know, this is football. So circumstance is a huge deal. He had some drops. He will be back next year. There's no question based on the on the figures. So Berrios, you know, will have to step up a little more. You got Crowder, you got Berrios in the middle, you got Cole hopefully coming back, and then you got Mims. Mims might have a shot. He got some playing time yesterday. Uh, didn't do much. I saw him have a couple good blocks, but uh, you know these guys are going to have a chance moving forward. Yeah, you know they say uh, we haven't called his name much today, and then he had that you know crackback block, and and they like that's not how we want to be calling the name. But I I, I got to tell you. It wasn't a crackback block. I mean, I would think we used to go get down inside and kill those guys all the time. Any chance we got, if they didn't see us coming. Um, it's weird that it would be a crackback block on the guy covering him. Yes. I could see if you're going to the uh, inside defender, but all he did was try to cut him off. I mean, you can't hit him in his chest because he's sideways. Yeah. So I thought that was a crappy call, but he's going to have to step up and, and show why they drafted him in the second round last year. Yeah, it's funny. I forgot who called the game on Sunday, but uh, sometimes when I'm watching it at the stadium, I don't know what fans are talking about on Twitter until I watch the broadcast. Right. Um, but yeah, Mims is, you know, the one thing about Mims is he's a pretty good blocker. Uh, but Wilson, it, like I said, the first three possessions are touchdowns. The second one, uh, they put a, put, a, put a pretty good drive together, scored with 318 to go in the first quarter. And hit Crowder on the wide receiver screen, got down to the one yard line and they went with the quarterback sneak, which, you know, I love to see the quarterback sneak. I think whenever offenses get into trouble, they kind of outsmart themselves sometimes. And I don't think they should ever shy away from a quarterback sneak with Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, he, he managed to kind of get down in there, you know, and, and get across the, the plane of the goal line. Uh, and you know what, that brings me to something else. I know we're going to talk about officiating, but the play when they went for a fourth down and we stopped them and then they went back and replayed it. And the, and the announcers were saying it's the first time they've ever had a call like that get reversed and then not even respot the ball. Yeah. They just said first down, they didn't even respot the ball and do a measurement. So, um, you know, based on that stuff, it was just a tough day overall with the officiating. Yeah, I think it was Gene Steratore who used to be an official. He's been with CBS for a few years now. He's the one who mentioned it. And, you know, I didn't even spot it in real time while watching it. But to your point, Salah, this was the most animated Salah's been 
you know, on the sideline as a head coach and the fans seem to appreciate it. it. It's a fine line as a head coach. How crazy do you want to go? You can't be silent because you can't allow yourself to get pushed around. You have to make your voice heard, but how far do you go? You know, where's that line where you do enough to go in or at least some respect, but not tick off the officials even further, not solely the reputation. There was the Elijah Moore non-pass interference call where he was running down the seam. Uh, they were down two possessions late trying to get a quick score and then an onside, which onsides never happened with the new rules today, but that's a different story. I felt Moore could have fought through it a little bit more, you know, no pun intended, but that's, I mean, that's a DPI all the way that wasn't called. Is that what, is that the way you saw it too? Yeah. I mean, it was obvious. Everybody saw it. I mean, it's not like in trap. I mean, they're in wide open field. Like you can't miss that. Some, someone has to call that. And if you say that Coach Salah went too far, I don't think he went far enough. I mean, you know, that's a big play in the game. And, you, you know, you're getting down into the red zone. That was a terrible non-call. You know, and that's kind of what happens to teams, you know, like us, where, you know, kids can't catch a break like that. But, no, I mean, you know, he's they're cussing at him and showing, how, you know, how displeased he was. And he had every right to do that. You know, he's fighting for his team. He's fighting for his players. So, I'm not saying, you know, there is a such thing as makeup calls in, in you know, in, in basketball and football. So maybe we'll get that call next time. But uh, yeah, he, he did everything he should have done. See, and the other thing is, you know, the only thing he asked for is that they call it even down the board. And the call on Bryce Hall earlier in which, you know, they were both guys were hand fighting. All Bryce Hall did was put his arm over on top of the receiver's arm and they were both going at it. Didn't impede his progress. Nothing. I think it was a it, w- it was an over route or a deep dig where he was moving towards the sideline more. If you're going to call that DPI, there's no way you cannot call the Elijah Moore DPI. And, and that combined with the Mosley offside, which Jason Kelsey definitely moved as a center, and the non-call on the helmet to helmet to Zach Wilson off the edge. I think it was uh, Sweat off the edge who made right. the sack. They just kept piling up. There's a difference between hand fighting and just grabbing somebody around the waist, you know, and and turn, turn her body. Um, So like you said, you know, if you're going to call one, call the other, you know, just be fair about it. Yeah. Yeah. When Salah saw the Bryce Hall call, he almost, his hat came off literally. Yeah. His winner hat, he lost his mind and and deservedly. So Uh, like, like we said, the Mosley penalty. Yes. I'm going to both side here because Fourth and under five, and Mosley admitted this after the game, you got to be more careful. Even right. if you're jumping on motion on any kind of flinch with the offensive line, it's fourth and less than five. So right. he admitted he he probably shouldn't have been so eager. But again, you know, if Kelsey moved, which it appears he did, it's a bad call. Mosley after the game to the point, Mosley after the game said, Teams are not respecting them right now. You know, for instance, Fletcher Cox and the team wouldn't shake their hands prior to the coin toss. Fletcher Cox, FYI, disputes that on his Instagram account. You can check it out for yourself. Uh, but Cox was uh, laughing at the Jets when Salah was arguing with the refs for a call later in the game. The overarching point is that Mosley feels like teams aren't respecting them. And he said it publicly, maybe intentionally, maybe to get guys going, maybe to try to turn things around. Uh, what can the Jets do as a locker room to to try to uh, overcome this? No, just stick together at this point. You know, it's a tough year. Um, 
So you not much you could do about it. Just play for each other, play for the fans, you know, play for the coaches. But um, you have to demand that respect. And if they don't want to shake our hands before the game or after the game, that, that's on them. Um, you know, just go out there. And if you're not winning games, at least you're making it, you know, difficult on those guys and, and being very physical about it, even if you're not scoring points. So you have to demand that respect. And, you know, we just haven't had a chance to really do that. So hopefully this last you know month or two of the season, we can uh, turn around. One guy who I like, Elijah Riley, the new safety from Philly, who, who came from Philly, Douglas snagged him. He's a chippy player. I've been watching a lot of his film. And, you know, he knows not to go too far, but he's a guy who will be aggressive in spots that a lot of professionals won't. Like if there's a pileup, he'll take a he'll take a shot where it makes sense and he won't get called for it. Um, what do you think in that regard? Do you think defenses and offensive units need guys like that? And if they're not there, is something lacking at times? Um and it's not only defense that needs to set the tone, you know, offense, it starts with the line, you know what I mean? Getting that push and just like getting guys out of there, bulldozing into the running game. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, any offense lemon in the league, they'd rather be run, run blocking than pass protecting. So you want to get to the point where a game where you have a lead and you could just let those, you know, offense linemen tee off on those guys. So uh, like you said, you got to get an identity, on both sides of the ball on, on the line. And, you know, there's been games where one has done it and not the other, you know, uh, they haven't had it where they both, you know, really, uh, you know, had success at the same, uh, same time uh, doing that, but uh, they're definitely uh, capable of doing that. Yeah. You brought us into that next point, which is the drastic, you know, contrasting between the offense and defense offense is rolling, hitting on all cylinders. As we said, first three possessions, but, the defense just can't stop anybody. I think it was the first six or seven possessions Philly scored. Philly scored on every drive other than the last one in which they punted under with under two minutes to go. Right. If it was a game, you wanted to see Wilson continue to roll with that momentum, but there was a huge stretch there at the end of the second quarter and the midway through the third quarter where he didn't even touch the ball because Philly got the, you know, opening kickoff in the second half and possess the ball for about eight minutes and change. Does it, how tough is it sometimes when one unit's producing and the other's not? And, you know, what can the Jets do in terms of trying to ignore all that noise and and march forward? Yeah. I mean, they got to extend drives, you know, first downs, first downs, change uh, field position uh, and keep the defense off enough where they can get a break. Um, and, and that's tough because, you know, the offense can't get in a rhythm if they're going to ring and out or not, you know, having long drives. But uh, it's definitely tougher on the defense, you know, when these guys are scoring pretty much every uh, every time they get the ball. So, uh, you know, one has to help the other. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts didn't play either. That was another topic after the game where, you know, the defense was preparing for both Hurts and Minshew, but mainly Hurts because he's the right. starter he's questionable. You don't know if he's going to play. It's not like they could change offensive systems. That doesn't happen. But what happens is instead of, uh, uh, you know, more RPOs, more uh, read options, more stuff with the quarterback could run in designed uh, concepts, that's all at the window. And then it's Minshew. I, I thought they handled Minshew pretty well, especially in coverage. It's just some, the pass rush wasn't there. The Eagles offensive line was tremendous when standing up. And a lot of the third down calls were really tight coverage on the back end where guys just got loose and 
I, I don't know. I don't know what they could do to fix it because even against the run, uh, this four, three scheme where it's a one gap scheme, if they're facing offenses that use man blocking principles like counters and draws and traps, they really have trouble. New England, Indy today, it's going to be a struggle moving forward. Yeah. And with the, you know, four guys, uh, you know, aren't getting to the quarterback. So maybe mm-hmm. they need to blitz a little bit more, but uh, yeah, they're just getting knocked off the ball. And like I said, you got to get off the field on third downs. Yeah. And, you know, any, a lot of these plays, they did have some tight coverage and that, you know, that touchdown to Goddard, you know, that's a yeah. big play. You know what yes. I mean? The guy did a great job. He, you know, he got in the way, but he didn't, uh, you know, it was a rub play. He didn't really get enough of them to really call that. Yeah. But um, they're not getting to the quarterback with the, with the front four. So that makes it awful difficult to, to get off the field. But, you know, they prepared for Hurts. I mean, the whole week they thought he was playing. So it's a lot different preparing for for him than Menchu. But it would have been even worse if they prepared for Minshew and then Hertz played. Correct. Right. Because so, you have uh, to be responsible for that running quarterback. Yeah. Especially. And he ran too, Minshew. He, he, he ran when he needed to. But um, what are you going to do? This, this, the, the effort was there. The result wasn't uh, what they wanted. Yeah. And that Goddard touchdown, I think it was a slant wheel combo. Yeah. And they, see, they weren't, it was a third down. So they were, they do this often on third down where they go heavy at the line, you know, double a gap. They'll have a single safety deep or they'll sprint them back after the snap and they're pressed everywhere else. So if you're pressed and you're not staggered, but a receiver comes into motion into like a stack look, then you're not staggered, you know, one corner deeper than the other. I think that's where they got into trouble on that play. But, you know, it's the motion that burned them on that one, and they just couldn't get pressured, like you said. Yeah, and that's what we play in that situation, and other teams know that. And the game plan is to run exactly what they did, and it worked out for them. But, you know, you sometimes you got to self-scout your team on, you know, if I was playing our defense, how would I attack them and just playing accordingly and how to stop that specific uh, kind of route? Yeah, and up front, too, it's – I don't think it's a matter of it's coaching. Yes, but it's coaching inexperienced guys because of the injuries. Sometimes not every counter is the same. Not every philosophy is the same. Sometimes offenses are trying to get you to go downhill and be aggressive. So you got to remain at home on the backside sometimes. And that's the awareness stuff that I just think is not there yet for this defense. Yeah. I mean, just amount of injuries we're having. You know, if you can have the same set of guys, you know, even if it's just secondary front seven, uh, they learn to be able to compensate for each other when um, when there's a mistake made or, or something like like you said, it's not lack of effort. Right. This no. is a scheme that the uh, offense is coming up with against us, um, you know, and sometimes they win the battle and there's not much you can do about it. But we have to win the battle on third down. I think that's the biggest thing at this point when you talk about time of possession for the Eagles you know, in the second half and not letting our offense get in a rhythm. So that's the biggest thing I would say is getting off the field on third down. Yeah. Uh, One more thing before we go on to the Saints here, next opponent, uh, Elijah Moore. Anything that stands out about this uh, performance from Elijah Moore, he keeps on producing. He keeps on um, getting involved. The floor is getting him involved with a lot of things, a lot of jet motion stuff, Uh, you know, quick flip passes, screens, any anything that comes to mind on Elijah Moore? Yeah, you know what? They're moving him around and giving him a chance to 
to get the ball. Um, you know, he's a great route runner. He's got great speed, but he's got confidence. He's playing with confidence right now. You know what I mean? You know, when you're playing with confidence, you know, just things happen. And when you give your quarterback that confidence in, in them, I mean, that's a big thing. You know, you can see early in the year, Zach was kind of forcing it to Corey Davis a lot. And Elijah wasn't really a part of it. But, uh, you know, I think ever since Mike White came in there, he kind of got Elijah a little more involved. And I think Zach being on the sideline kind of saw that and saw how useful that Elijah could be in in that system. So, yeah, I mean, you got two rookies that are pretty good combinations. So hopefully uh, we can watch that for a, for a long time to come. Yeah. And then Michael Carter should be back soon, too. Right. So so we're working with LaFleur, Salah. Wilson, Moore, Carter, all first-year guys at Vera, their respective Vera position. Tucker, Vera Tucker, you got there. Mm-hmm. Vera you know, Tucker. You need to get back-to-back. I mean, yeah, there's this, you know, you've got Michael Carter on the defensive back. I mean, there's yep. a lot of young guys that are, you know, getting much-needed experience at this point. Yeah, and when you're watching defense, too, like I mentioned, the coverage was, I think I said solid, but fans are going to shake their head at that. I mean, remember what solid means in today's league. You, you can't cover guys. It's nearly impossible in today's league with today's rules. So everyone's going to get burnt, no matter who it is. Keep that in mind. Solid is not what it was 25, 30 years ago. You know, so with Michael Carter in the slot, Bryce Hall, uh, I, I really do like Elijah Riley. I kind of want to see what he does the rest of the year. Uh, Wilson's confidence coming along. I, I think there should be, you know, fans should be glued to the TV sets moving forward. Yeah. Listen, they're a young team, one of the youngest in the league, if not the youngest. So there's growing pains. Uh, you would hope during this process that you could win some more games. Uh, you know, they have won some games, hopefully a couple more. I know their schedule gets easier, but this is just how it's going to be for the next year or two. Nothing you could do about it. And hopefully in free agency, you know, they have some more uh, you know, experienced guys. But these young guys are going to have to play. You know, they have and they have to play the rest of the year and, and it's only going to help them going forward. Any uh, when you were playing for the Jets, do you remember any explosions from the sideline with Parcells or any other head coach that uh, either mirrors what we saw from Salah Sunday or blows past it? Oh, Parcells. I mean, even, I mean, even as calm as Herm Edwards were, you know, he'd even get his words in there, you know. Every now and then, but Parcells, he, you know, he wouldn't take anything. He yeah. didn't care what, what, you know, what anybody thought of him. He was going to get his point across whether they wanted to hear it or not. And, and then some. And the next time we got, he would just keep going back to it. And like I said, sometimes that works. You know, you get the respect of those officials. Um, no, I don't know. I just think it works sometimes. So you, you got to give it a shot. You got to show if you're, you're not pleased with something and you think they did it wrong, they got it wrong, then you got to let them know about it. Uh, you remember Phil Jackson back in the day? Phil Jackson would play mind games with officials. And right. even in the press conferences after a loss in the playoffs, he yeah. intentionally complained just so the attention was on that for the next game. And I, I think it worked most yeah. of the time. I believe in that. I truly do. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I, and I coach high school football too, and I'm up in the booth. <laughs> Part of my it's not official duties, but I feel like a therapist sometimes when the head coach loses his mind because the officiating could be subpar, I guess, in high school sometimes. Right. So I get it completely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, next week we get some calls. 
Okay. Yep. Saints next week, looking to move to four and nine. Uh, Taysom Hill started this past weekend, and the Saints aren't the Saints that we are used to. Uh, I don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback. I assume it's going to be Taysom Hill again, but I'm not positive. Uh, at MetLife again, and the Jets still have the majority of their games are at MetLife the rest of the way, I believe. Uh, Tom Brady's coming in. They're going down to Miami. They got to go to Buffalo. Um, anything you're looking for going into this one against New Orleans? Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to be the quarterback, whether it's Simeon or Taysom. I mean, he threw four picks last week, right? Taysom, yeah. yeah. It I wasn't mean, the best outing. No. I mean, you know, obviously you have to, you know, kind of like with, uh, you know, Hurts, you got to be prepared for for uh, quarterback runs and quarterback sneaks and all that stuff. But um, I don't know, man. It's, I, I don't ever count anybody's money or anything like that, but that guy got $100 million or something like that. It hasn't really played much. I mean, he's so valuable. The team is a tight end, a receiver, a returner, a quarterback, which is great. But, um, you know, he didn't show that coming out the first week as a starter. So maybe we'll get him, uh, you know, the same way. You know, I know he's going to have a great career, but, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to be there. But hopefully uh, hopefully we can do what, uh, you know, this past week's defense said to him. Yeah, it's the uh, the role game. You know, he fits a perfect role. But when he's yeah. the starting quarterback, you know, the questions come. Uh, so we'll see what Olberg and Salad do to game plan against that. All right, so we'll keep an eye on the uh, Jets Saints this weekend and uh, see what they could do. Uh, I expect the offense to continue to move forward. George Fant has been tremendous this year at left tackle. That's another call out. Uh, he hasn't – I don't know how many pressures he's allowed this season, but it's a very low number of – but he's been tremendous. He's garnering Pro Bowl votes for sure. Um, but we'll see if the defense can button it up a little bit and really focus on their individual reads. I think they have a good shot of getting the home win. Yeah. Like I said, you know, we, we need a week where both the offense and uh, defense are doing their thing. Um, and certainly a nice home game, you know, in, in December is a perfect time to, to do it against a dome team you know, uh, get them out in the cold weather. Hopefully it's really cold. You know, I'm looking, I'll look for that. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can get their fourth win of the year. And I definitely think it's a possibility. All right, Wayne Jets fans. We will catch you next time on the underdog Jets podcast. Take care.